0: Log Talk Radio. 10.
1: Welcome to The Balance. Here we are one week away from the Super Bowl. It's going to be the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. Can Patrick Mahomes bring it again? Or is this going to be another Super Bowl win for the Philadelphia Eagles? we will talk about that later on in the show. Today is going to be a good show because we always have a good show. This is what we do here. we got Matt Hicks. Uh, he's, he's back with us after a little bit of a hiatus, but this is going to be helping us put on the homer cap and and let's let's break down the Indianapolis Colts, yes, because that's where we're at, located at. That's our backyard team. That's our home team, because we're located high atop the balance Studios in the west side of Indianapolis, in the west suburbs of Indianapolis. Also, Steve Wilson, editor in chief of SpeedwayDigest.com, dot com, our official NASCAR contributor, joins us to, and he's back. So that's why we call the show "The Boys Are Back." Uh, but uh, We'll be joining us to talk the class, shut the college, stem If you watched that last year, you know what how much fun that was for NASCAR and for the fans. So it's good to see them uh, returning. we we'll are also uh, uh, recap a little bit about what happened with the Rolex 24. Tony Donahu of the Tony D Podcast and BurnoutSports.com will be joining us. And uh, uh, also our NBA contrib- uh, contributor will be talking the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chief and also the NBA and what's going on there and with LeBron James and blah, 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 blah. My name is Tom Mark with El Presidente. 917-889-8516 is my digits. We'll be right back. Matt Hicks is standing by in the Balance Green Room right here on the Balanced Radio Network.
2: The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom.
1: Morning, face You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda.
3: Good morning, guys.
4: Good morning. What is oh. that thing?
3: It's me, Linda.
0: Oh, my
4: God, it talks. Right! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. What? Stay back. I've got
0: mates. Oh, they're of my eyes. We're moving.
1: It's called beauty sleep for a reason.
5: fresh roasted, so, I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Pique, which, of course, in the Indonesian, like, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they... Investor philanthropists, do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes.
3: Veterans causes
5: and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and yeah, roasted. Okay. Mm-hmm. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good.
4: So maybe I'm blind, thinking I can see.
0: All
1: right, welcome back to The Balance. Time to kick things off. So joining us now is the one, the only, the irreplaceable, the guy who has every superpower hero known to man, Matt Hicks. <laughs> how are you, sir?
4: <laughs> I'm good, but I think it's very clear to mention. I've been replaced many times. <laughs> <laughs> valid point, valid
1: point. <laughs> hey, haven't we all that's for sure so how
4: how's things been for you
1: welcome back to the balance i know you haven't been with oh. us for a while but how you how, how you hanging up there sir
4: oh great thanks uh, No, uh everything's wonderful uh you know how it is i i have three kids and they all have uh varying degrees of activities and involvement with different <laughs> things so uh I've uh, I've graduated into uh, the chauffeur age of my my <laughs> parenthood, um, you but go. you know I got one that just well, turned 16, so maybe he'll join me soon.
1: Well, that's what I was getting ready to say. I mean, knew you had a teenager that was getting close to being able to drive. So
0: may, maybe mm-hmm. he can
1: help you out with the duties on that. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. let's get into this. I want to—I uh, brought you on today to put, put on a home record. I know you live here in Indianapolis, just right there. I mean, Avon's just sort of west of where I'm at. Uh, but so let's talk about these Indianapolis Colts. Uh, man, are we tired? Of, I think we're tired of talking about them. More, I think, as a fan and – Speaking as a family, because I think more than anything, I'm tired
6: of just
1: everything going wrong and then being a colossal yeah. cluster, if you know what I mean. So let's just start at yeah. the top, and we'll work our way down, and we'll walk through what we can look forward. See, let's start with Chris Ballard. I'll just ask the question: Why does he still have, does he still have a job at West Fifty Sixth Street?
4: Well, I think, you know, listen, I think, um, and this has been well-documented that that Mr. Ursay, Jim Ursay, has um, really put a value on relationships over the last several years. Uh, I think he felt a very strong relationship with Frank Reich, and I think he feels that with Chris Ballard, and um, listen, I mean, who are we to say, I, I mean, we can play the if game all day long, right? But who are we to say that if Andrew Luck hadn't retired, they wouldn't have won a couple of Super Bowls? I kind of think they would have. And when you look at where they were. So while, while the quarterback position is, is, has been grossly mishandled, I think at some point Mr. Jim Irsay decided that that wasn't enough for him to lose his job. And I, and I think that's
2: really in the end
4: why he still has a gig. Now, remember – I'm not doing a good job of selling the fan base on why Chris Ballard should still have a job because let's also remember the last <laughs> coach. That didn't go very well. Now, they're doing the exact opposite of that this time. They're taking immense uh, care and time to make sure they have the right person. The problem from a fan base standpoint is this, of these last candidates that we know about, and I'm not being coy on purpose. I just think there's a reality where we might live in where we might not know all the candidates. I think that's at least I think that's yeah. at least possible. The candidates we know about aren't as I like to say you know from the New York media. They're not back page grabbers. None of this is going to win the back page of the of the newspaper. So that's probably why it feels like meh, you know, if the Colts have announced tomorrow they've hired Brian Callahan or Raheem Morris, that's not going to you know, invigorate a fan base. It, it might be the most prudent hire they've made in history, for all we know. However, it's just not going to get people excited. I'm not even sure, to be very candid with you, if a Jim Harbaugh, for example, would get the fan base that excited. I don't know that there is that person out there, you know, where in years past, perhaps, you know, uh, a a Chucky or a Nick Saban would have really invigorated the fan base. I don't know that a legitimate candidate like that exists. So, okay, back to your original question. Chris Ballard still has a job because of his relationship with Jim Ursay. He has convinced Jim Ursay that they are close to being a playoff team again. And, And honestly, with quarterback play being decent, they honestly might be. Their defense was okay. Their offense was putrid. But a lot of that was because of the offensive line not, you know, t- taking two-thirds of a season to gel, and then the quarterback carousel that started. So I-, I suppose there's some reason for optimism for a quick turnaround.
1: Sorry about that. FedEx came to the
4: door. You That's know all how good. that
0: goes. Is it? All I, disruptions. Do, I know that that works. <laughs> yeah
1: the the old the mean old FedEx guy I tell you
0: no I got well, right. well I,
1: I got to stand <laughs> yeah I I got a new gig you may have saw on Facebook so I got my new phone that so I had to sign for it or rather I just had to have him leave it there so ah, oh sure yeah. one <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. week away from the Philadelphia Eagles in Super Bowl fifty seven. And we know for a fact yeah. that it, it, I think there's even going to be another round of interview today with uh, their offensive coordinator, Shane Steichen. I hope I'm saying that name yeah. right. Uh, and that's for Adam that's right. Now, If it comes down from Adam Scheffner, well, you know it's, it's real. In the Colts tell Scheffner stuff before they tell local media. But that's the nor there. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, no,
4: that's, that's correct. You're, you're absolutely right about that. A lot, <laughs> a lot of people don't know that, but that is, that is absolutely the truth. Um, Schefter has someone inside the building. I don't know if it's Ballard. I don't know who it is, but they definitely have someone, uh, that reports to Schefter, much like, uh, I speculated for many years that Bill Polian uh, had a direct line to Chris Morton's, um, for many years ago. That's, that's a whole other story, but you're, you're absolutely right about that. They, they do often leak to the national media before they leak to local.
1: Well, here's the thing. They are going to be interviewing him and and he is the top candidate. Here's one of the things that if you're if you are to read into the tea leaves, you know we know they want to be very very diligent because of, you know, let's, mm-hmm. let's not not forget that Frank Reich was not the cult first choice. So, I think they want to make sure that doesn't repeat itself. And and, and I know that there's some other uh, names that are floating out there that maybe we could talk about here in a second, but right now You know, since the Colts have said they are not going to be announcing a head coach position until after the Super Bowl, me, I think they're zoning in and and trying to uh, work out the kinks with Shane Steichen, which is the offensive coordinator with the Philadelphia Eagles. And we know very well that the Colts and the Eagles have a great working relationship between each other with players and coaches. And, you know, so there's that that good relationship that the two – Teams have so and trusted uh, trusted teams. This would be the second coach that they brought over from the staff of the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, second quarterback. We've had two quarterbacks in recent uh, years uh, from the Philadelphia Eagles. So the list is is there. Uh, and then they have some uh, c- uh, former Colts players as well. Unfortunately, that's the only way they can get to the Super Bowl. But I digress. <laughs> what what are your what are your thoughts on Shane Steichen? offensive coordinator with the Philadelphia Eagles coming to the Indianapolis Colts.
4: Well, you know, interesting, interesting candidate. I I think you can put him and Brian Callahan kind of in the same box, if you will, Uh, young candidates, uh, definitely innovative, offensive minds uh, does tend to kind of go with the trend of the current NFL uh, hiring process and hiring cycle of a young offensive mind, and, you know, in the, in the, you know, same vein as Rams and Dolphins have done in recent years. Um, so it makes some sense. I, you know, a lot of people want to read into, well, if they get Steichen, then that means Anthony Richardson in the draft, or that might mean a mobile quarterback. I, I don't know that you read overly into that. also, by the way, C.J. Stroud is not a statue. He is somewhat mobile, much much like Bryce Young. So I don't know that any of these coaches uh, being hired points you to the quarterback they're going to draft, just to get that out of the way right away. But uh, Spiken is an interesting candidate, um, and I think I think the real question is this. When it comes down to it, does Jim Ursay want someone with NFL head coaching experience, or is he willing with this roster and with where they are from a from a rebuild standpoint, because let's be honest with each other, they're in a rebuild now, um, right. what does he want to do? What does he want to do? Does he want to take a chance on a first-year guy, or does he want to have an established guy like a Raheem Morris come in, who has been a head coach and failed, probably because he wasn't quite ready to do it yet, but had great success since he was a head coach, uh, great success since then. Uh, multiple Super Bowl appearances, a win, uh, so I I I don't know. I I think there is a culture problem in that locker room. I have been able to kind of, through my very limited sources nowadays, kind of suss that out <laughs> a little bit. There there definitely was there definitely was some issues in that locker room, and I I kind of wonder if a head coach with experience couldn't help that process along faster. Uh, but I'm I'm sure if it is Steichen or Callahan. The, the staff around them will be quite experienced, probably with someone with uh, at, at some point head coaching experience on that staff. So I'm not so worried about that necessarily. Um, but your guess is as good as mine. I mean, if, if, <laughs> if you tell me he's the leading candidate, I'll say sure. I, I don't know. That, I, I will say this. I did reach out to a couple people in the last couple weeks. It's, it's tight-lipped over there. Nobody knows oh. And that's that's, not the typical case.
1: Not 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 at the Colts complex. So let's let's talk about Raheem Morris. We've been talking a little bit about him. Obviously, uh, he's in in limbo. Uh, He's the Rams defensive coordinator. And I know the Indianapolis Colts are are, are looking at him very intently, but Mm -hmm. with intention. But here's another another spin, if you will. Why not Jeff Saturday? Now, now let's let's put besides the fact that he was – He's never yeah, been sure. a head coach. Well, Larry Bird was never yeah. a head coach before before he was a head coach. I mean, nobody's a head coach before they're a head coach. I mean, it, when you, whenever you get your first head coaching gig, you're a first-time head coach. So let, right. let's put that aside. Let's, let's also keep in mind that he was mentored, trained, and learned by one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, which was Peyton Manning, obviously. He was yeah. part of that Peyton Manning era. So, that said, we might say, Jim Irsay, you're crazy for looking at Jeff Saturday. He's an ESPN commentator. Well, if a fan is actually saying that, they don't know who Jeff Saturday is and don't understand his resume. But Mm -hmm. second of all, here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. We don't like to use the words like mailing it in and, 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 you know, just getting comfy to make sure we have a good traffic. We don't like to say that that happens. We know that happens. And I believe that it happened this time around. Here's my working theory with Jeff Saturday. Uh, We know Ursay has a lot of control over the coaching staff, and he he likes to keep that. And that relationship with Ballard. I think a conversation, behind-the-door conversation. Obviously, I can't prove this, but this is just my working theory. They told Jeff Saturday, just go out there and be a symbol for the team. Well, let's play a game if we win great. if we don't, great, that's fine. we our our main objective is draft day. So now they're at number four. yeah. so how do they move around with that do they do they try to move up a little bit to try to get cj Sturgis? Do they? Are they happy with the kid from Kentucky, Levis, Levis, however you say it, which I think is a good choice. I really think that's a solid choice. That's a safe choice. But I don't know that he's a Super Bowl franchise quarterback, of course, but he is a very good quarterback for us to to have.
4: And as, as
1: we saw with Purdy, you know, pretty was Mr. Insignificant. Gets to the Philadelphia Eagles uh, champion, NFC Championship game, goes down in, in, in the basically the first quarter, and, and, and now has a torn at ACLU, and will be out the entire season next year. So You never know what's going to happen with these with these quarterbacks, so you can't throw everything into that one pitch. So, my thought, my working pro- process, I, I digress, I know, but my thinking is they should just go out there. Now we're going to... Ha- let's say they go with, with Saturday as opposed to Raheem Morris, if they don't go with um, Shane from the Philadelphia Eagles. But they say, okay, now Saturday, we give you the job. We want you to go out there and do it. So maybe a bit of a Trojan horse. I said all that to say two words, Trojan horse. What are your thoughts?
4: Well, I, I, okay, first of all, let, let's, be very, let's be very clear from my perspective. I think anything is possible, and I mean mm-hmm. anything. I mean, I mean, and I mean anything. If, you, if I woke up tomorrow and saw that Jim Harbaugh is going to be named the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, I would not be surprised. You would be surprised.
6: Right, right. I would
4: not be surprised. I think anything is possible. I mean, you name it, I think it's possible, except for someone that is currently employed by an NFL team that would require compensation. And that's why right. uh, Sean Payton is, was, was ruled out, never even talked to. They, they do not have the draft capital because of the, the mistakes at quarterback, frankly, to uh, trade for a coach. Barring that out, I think anything, literally anything is possible. Here's why I think Jeff Saturday is the least possible of those anything. For every good thing, and I like Jeff. I had, a, I had a, I won't say relationship with Jeff, but I talked to him several times when I used to work in radio, and he's one of the nicest guys in the world and genuine, and I hoped for success for him but he had zero success. I mean, he was the opposite of success as a head coach. You cannot hire him and expect the fan base to sit through this. They will not sit through this. There's a petition of 3000 season ticket holders that will give up their season tickets. Now it's just 3000 of 60, whatever that will give up their season tickets. If he's hired, the message is clear. It's not a good fit for every one positive thing he did. He made 10 mistakes. It's just, it's just, it was <sighs> Jim Irsay was trying to catch lightning in a bottle. He thought outside the box thinking would turn this thing around. And I will say this, it did appear that Jeff Saturday began to introduce a modicum of accountability into that locker room. And if that's what he accomplished in his time here, that's awesome. And we thank him for it, And he, but he must move on. There is no feasible way you can sell this fan base on just Saturday after what we saw for seven, eight games, whatever it was. It was, it was disastrous. It was nothing but disastrous. Now you can make the argument he didn't have an offensive coordinator and the, you know, the quarterback situation was what it was, but what, what tell me what he did other than, like I said, maybe introducing some accountability into the locker room. Tell me what he did that you saw that would say that guy is a head coach
1: in the NFL. Yeah, you're absolutely one hundred Yeah, you're absolutely 100% right. That's where my working theory of a Trojan horse comes in. He wasn't out there this season to try to win games cuz let's face it, the fans were going to kn- knew even before Jeff Saturday ever came on board as the interim coach. The the most of the fan base had already accepted the fact we're not going to the playoffs. We are we, we need a good draft pick. Most most uh, Colts fans are okay with the end of the season losses because they would want that they would well, the late CJ. They they need that quarterback.
4: You, and you're right. The late ones they were okay with. As it got later, yes. But you got to remember after they won the Raiders game, they were like right in the thick of the playoff race. No. I, they I could have easily easily made the playoffs this year. Um, in fact, even still, with all that being said and done, I believe, and I think he's right, I think Frank Reich thinks if he hadn't been fired, they would have made the playoffs. And I I actually think he's correct. I think they would have. Because when you put everything together with that, the offensive line figured their lives out a little bit and got better. They didn't ever play at the potential that we thought they would, but they did get better. The offense was dreadful. But part of that was because of all the changes they made. Uh, so, and, and of course, the die, get, uh, the die, where's my brain this morning? Jonathan Taylor. Getting hurt. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Did you uh, just say Taylor a die? T- That's I funny. can't say a die. I
0: don't
4: <laughs> uh, Jonathan funny. Taylor getting hurt does not help anything, of course. Uh, you know, of course, Taylor gets hurt almost at the minute. The offensive line starts to kind of turn things around a little bit. And, you know, we really bashed the Colts for the trade of Naheem Hines. And I'm glad Hines is helping Buffalo. But he didn't do anything this season for the Colts. And honestly, Zach Moss was kind of an admirable fill-in for, for Jonathan Taylor. So that, I think, was actually a beneficial trade for Indianapolis, as, as crazy as that now sounds. Uh, but, <laughs> but that being said, Jeff Saturday failed. There's just no other way around it. He, at that press conference, says it's all about wins and losses and goes on to only win one game the rest of the year. It, it, it just can't be sold to fans. I, I just, I, there's just no way I could wrap my head around him being the head coach. And every uh, honestly, everything I'm hearing sounds like it's going that direction, that that maybe he might even already know he's no longer a candidate. I, I think that's at least yeah. possible. We might learn that. We might learn that this weekend. I think that that's possible.
1: Yeah. I, I don't disagree with you. Again, I, I I totally am with you in the camp. You said I, I nothing would surprise me. So just
4: scenarios to look nope. at. A couple other that, things that I want yeah, to Yeah, all that being said. About. No, and, and, and sorry to interrupt, Tom, but I think that, no, that being right. said, if I woke up tomorrow and Jeff Saturday's named the head coach of the Colts, I won't be happy. But I also wouldn't be surprised.
1: <laughs> we'll be surprised, right? <laughs> yeah, I right, get you. Right. So, so let's talk about another rumor that's uh, floating around, and I, I, I get it. I understand why it would be, but let's just hope they don't go down that road because we need all of the solid pieces that we can keep intact. And one of the things I'm hearing. Through the rumor mill is a trade with Jonathan Taylor to help with the draft pick up and move up. Uh, Jonathan Taylor might be on the draft block. That's what I've heard. That's the rumor, but in all in in reality, I've not heard it from Adam Scheffner yet. so I don't know if it's official. But yeah, <laughs> no, it's been,
4: yeah, I, and I've I've heard the same <clears throat> excuse me, same rumblings of Taylor. Pittman, I would be in the camp that I think you're coming from. That the younger guys, it would be nice to keep. Um, it would be nice to keep a Pittman, though. You're going to have to figure out. Oh, I mean, this is a whole other. This is a radio show. Do you pay Pittman twenty million a year? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's not. It's not. Just a rubber stamp. Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, right? It's not just a rubber yeah. stamp. Sure. I mean, you have to talk You're to not them. wrong. So, right, right. So uh, now Taylor, a little bit different story. When healthy, one of the top three running backs in football, right? There's no question. Now, what, the only thing I could see you trading Taylor for is to save a, 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 what I would call a, a, a starting caliber draft pick. So if you're saving by trading Taylor a first or a second round pick and that move up to Chicago, I suppose that's something you can entertain because you could obviously replace him with a draft choice. Now, you're not going to get the same player back. He's special. You're going to roll the dice. But I, I could see it. I kind of tend to, with that coaching staff in Chicago, believe it will probably be a defensive player. If Again, if this trade even ever comes to be, and it indeed includes a player, which it may not. Uh, my gut tells me that that's more of a DeForest Buckner, maybe Grover Stewart, someone who has hit the age of 30 that probably won't be as – effective by the time the Colts are really ready to contend for a deep playoff run, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, that
4: makes perfect sense. Well, well, we only got you for a few more minutes.
1: Uh, We're talking with Matt Hicks, helping us with our homework card. He is our all-around great guy and always welcome on this show at any time. And, which, by the way, we're having our Super Bowl show next Sunday, so you are more than welcome to join. I'm inviting you now. I will send you a text later, but I'm just – saying that yeah. that'll be our annual Super Bowl special uh, next week, and so we probably won't be having the show on Saturday. We'll be having it on Sunday, but nonetheless, if you're listening to the podcast, it doesn't matter. All you got to do is hit play. There it is. is. Let's Real quickly, let's address the other elephant in the room, and that's our, our quarterback situation, which is in dire need. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, no combination of anything worked. Uh, you know, we had a recycled water bottle from the Philadelphia Eagles and Carson Wentz. We had a recycled water water bottle uh, from the Atlanta uh, Falcons and Mount Ryan. We brought over another recycled water bottle is a third, third string. And Nick Foles, uh, we tried all kinds of different combinations of things. At some point, you just got to throw the chili out because you made it too freaking hot, Matt. So let's say that I, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not a big fan yeah. of, of saying throw the baby out with the bathwater. But at that, this point, at this point, you just got to rip the Band-Aid off and let's let's do something. Yeah. What do they do? How do they get that franchise quarterback? We all know Peyton Manning isn't coming back. We don't need a Peyton Manning. We need a solid quarterback that can get us at least right. to the playoffs, if not
4: further. No, you're you're absolutely right. And I and I listen. One thing about this scouting staff. Now let's be clear: the scouting staff is very good. They identified mm-hmm. uh, Justin Fields, for example. They identified some of these quarterbacks. You know that we didn't. Th- the Colts didn't think they needed at the time. Before they would sure like to have them now. <laughs> Um, my point my point there though is i trust the scouting staff and if they say there's a guy on this draft that's going to be great whether it's levis who i personally met i'm all in on cj Stroud. but i but i will say this that scouting staff has enough capital with me to make the choice in a, a, and that being said if they say hey it's none of these guys okay we move on we wait till next year then it's going to be painful but listen, the reality of it is this team's not making the playoffs next year anyway, barring miracle, right?
5: Barring miracle. So,
4: uh, barring miracle, I mean, and that, when I say miracle, I mean that the, the rookie quarterback is NFL ready way more than any of us could have ever right. dreamed. Right. Uh, right. Right, and, right. And suddenly they're, you know, they're they're eight and eight heading into the last two weeks. You know, that's that's miracle status in my mind. So do you, uh, think, do, you do you think that well, it could the Colts need to be a veteran again?
1: Do you think the Colts need to make every effort possible in the draft to get C.J. Stroud? Is that our guy? Should it be our focus? Well,
4: that would be well, right. my—I mean, very uninformed, unvideo watched, untaped watch. Uh, that would be my thing. I would get to whatever position you need to be in to take Young or Stroud, in my opinion. Uh, but I don't know enough. About it. I mean I don't know don't release point, I don't know footwork, I don't know I mean all those things the scouts put the time into. If they say that's broken on all three or four of these guys and we gotta wait a year, I'll I'll trust that. I won't be happy, but I'll trust it and we'll wait a <laughs> year. Um, and, and see what happens next year. But regardless, I don't really expect that's probably another controversial or inflammatory statement. I don't really expect any of these guys to start the first game of the season. I really don't. I think uh, Matt Hicks. We, I think it will probably probably lean towards a veteran quarterback on day one.
1: Matt Hicks, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, we're getting ready to talk some NASCAR. to the Clash this weekend, Thanks. but more importantly, you know what's happening in less than ninety days—the Indianapolis 500. I'll leave it at that, sir.
4: Wow! <laughs> wow! Ready Here we to get go. Better. Is it May yet? Yes, That's it is. Right. It's it's amen.
1: All right buddy you have you have a good time and and uh, you're always you. welcome here and remember you have that open invitation for next week for the Super Bowl special. Thank you so
4: much. I'll I'll look forward to it.
1: All right Matt, thank you. Thank you. Matt Hicks, our official homer card guy here in Indianapolis, been a part of the Indianapolis local media for a long time and so always glad when we can grab him and get his perspective obviously talking about the Indianapolis coach the, the the coaching search and our quarterback dilemma, what's going to happen in the draft. Right around the corner, though, it is class weekend out at the Coliseum. If you missed that last year, you don't know what you missed. You better catch it this year. I'm going to tell you what, it was probably one of the best things NASCAR has done uh, for the fan base and to get new fans. So, you know, why not repeat it, you know? So we're going to be talking about that with Steve Wilson, our editor-in-chief, I mean, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. And through
0: the highs and lows Baby, I got you, yeah
2: The Air National Guard. Guarding America, defending freedom.
1: Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda.
5: Oh, hi. Hi. Uh, hey. seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. No. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Massa Le Croix Piquet do You have any? You know what? Actually I'm I'm just gonna order it. They make it fresh and yeah, okay. roasted. Right. Black rifle coffee. It's good.
1: back to the Bells, it's time to get on the track again this year, NASCAR season is here, welcome, can I get an amen And helping us, uh, and, and of course our official NASCAR contributor and editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, contributor joins us to help kick things off, it's the class at the Coliseum this weekend, how are you doing Steve, are you excited, how's it going?
3: I'm doing alright, uh, how about yourself?
1: Oh, I'm ready to go man. You know, it, it seems like forever that we talked NASCAR, but it wasn't very long ago. But, hey, I'm ready to get things going again with the clash at, at the Coliseum. And remember last year, we, we kind of thought, oh, how's this going to turn out? You know, I watched it, and I, I, I'll give them credit. I think they it, there was a lot of fans that they have now that they didn't have before the, the clash at the Coliseum last year. Let's talk about the clash, uh, first of all uh for those that may not know what it is we'll lift the rock up for them and help them out there but, <laughs> so they can crawl out from underneath that rock uh but uh what is the, the clash uh, how does it how does it come into to play with it, with anything it's really more of a celebration in NASCAR's back in the, in the course of the, it's at the coliseum uh in in uh, southern california so great uh, visibility there. So NASCAR did a really, really good job of, about that. Let's let's talk about the Clash, what it is, and, and what it means to NASCAR, both the teams and the fans.
3: Let's uh, just start off as a way to you know to, to kick the season off with a an expansion race on points, give everybody a little chance to go out there and, wait and run for some money. Originally, we run this thing a long time for down in Daytona, but it's since been moved out to LA now. In the second season out there, so this year we've uh, they've expanded the field to 27 different cars that are gonna make the final show or the final race uh, uh, on tomorrow evening. But you know, it's gonna you know, it's uh, got a couple heat races that they'll have to run through. and some last chance qualifiers that they'll. Uh, Get to run through tomorrow afternoon, but you know this is this is now every every charter car now has an opportunity to go out there and do this thing and win this thing tomorrow.
1: Well, I'm excited to watch it. I know they brought out all the the stops and all the 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 great. Do, do we have some sort of a, a halftime performance like they did last year? Do you know about that? I'll look. For it.
3: Yeah, um, they they do. And that, that mm-hmm. last year, it was uh, a <laughs> jeez, I can't even remember who it was. I know. Last year. I, 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 I,
1: well, Snoop was part of it. it was, the, there was a few people that was there, but
3: it, it kind of had a uh, rap uh, feel to it. But it has oh the... uh, yeah, it was it, it was uh, <laughs> it was Ice Cube last year. I I, I oh, just that's right. had to I just I had to Google it real asking, <laughs> i I forgot all about. Yeah, but they, they, like this year they got Wiz Khalifa that's gonna come out there and do that. But yeah, I, had, you know, as you were talking, I was like, I, I don't even remember who it was last year.
1: <laughs> well, it's gonna be beautiful out there with, uh, you know, sunny, on high around seventy four, I
3: think. Um, it, it, is the clutch today or tomorrow? Uh no got practice and qualifying today and then the clash is tomorrow, uh evening. Everything starts at five o'clock uh eastern time. Uh and then the final run, the final part of the clash, the the hundred and fifteenth lap uh clash will uh begin at eight. But uh you got like it's a couple of uh heat races and last chance qualifiers and those things will start at five tomorrow afternoon.
1: Well, very very excited to to see what what what's going on with the clash. Let's talk a little bit about um, uh, you know the Coliseum. Obviously, that's where USC USC plays a lot of tar- tailgating and stuff, and you know a lot of, a lot of fun going on there. But uh, I, I just think it's really exciting to watch the clash. Let's let's talk about maybe some of the rookies that uh, have never did this before. What, what, you know, short, there's a there's an old saying that a short track leads to a short tempers, and uh, we always wonder if that's we didn't see that happen last year. You know, getting bumped on a crowded subway can trigger anger to anybody, but imagine what what it could do in a NASCAR driver trying to win a race in a in a, in a small quarter mile track. I mean, that's not where NASCAR race at. And late in last year's class, a caution flag went up after, I believe it was Jones hit Ross Blaney from behind breaking Blaney's rear suspension. Blaney took a, his car off the track and, and climbed out and threw his head gear at Jones. His, his, his gear, head gear, at, I'm sorry, can't even talk today, Steve. Head gear at Jones. Um, so there is that. So if, you're, if you have a rookie that's never raced in a short track, or at least, let's say, never, all, all of them have raced at a short track, but i have never raced at a, a class short track at the, what's going to happen here at the college STEM. What, what do you do to help them keep uh, not going on Noah Grayson? <laughs> and I like Noah, don't get me wrong. Or, Ty Gibbs. insert name here, but go ahead.
3: Uh, I I don't know if there's really much you can do. You can try and talk to them, but you know at the at the end of the day, this is a, such a small confined track out there that they've decided to build with this quarter mile. That it just really has just. Uh, there, there's just nowhere to go for any of these drivers. There's just nowhere for anybody to try and get away or escape the chaos by any means. The track driver just doesn't have a whole lot of width to it, and it's just, just too short. I mean, this is, this is, uh, you know, if anybody's been to Bowman Gray Stadium and watched the races and watched the people getting fights out there, mm-hmm. I mean, this is exactly, you know, this is exactly it. And I mean, it's just. Uh, it, they don't. They don't. They don't have an opportunity to to try and uh, find a place to decompress for a minute. It's just constantly either in the heat of battle or in a corner somewhere, and you just don't have time to think. And it's just you're just gonna come out to a point where it's you're gonna you're you're gonna be fighting everybody else, and you're gonna be fighting your car, and you're gonna be fighting your your crews that, that aren't making the car any better. And I think it's just an all around kind of uh, you know. They're, they're, there's just nowhere to escape. And, you know, tempers are going to flare and tempers are going to get people moved out of the way and maybe even some equipment thrown or maybe even some pushing and shoving in the pits after the race.
1: Well, I think this is going to be exciting. And maybe uh, maybe the uh, uh, NASCAR is, is kind of poking the, poke the bear a little bit. We've got two drivers that can't stand each other. We've got Noah Gregson he's one of uh, and we got Ty Gibbs the 20 year old grandson of of uh, Joe Gibbs uh and so we know the host story right there in, in the car that he's driving You've got Noah Grayson uh rookie as well those two don't like each other they're not friends they don't make any bones about saying that or whatsoever you think NASCAR hopes for you know, all in all in no nobody want, nobody wants to get hurt or anything but don't you think that maybe there's some side bets going on, over and under between Ty and Noah getting into it at the clash and and, and boosting our ratings. <laughs> what what do you think about that? And, 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 then, and then that said, they have they're going into the rookies. They have to they have to race together. Um, you know. So what are your thoughts on this and Noah and Ty drama? Dun dun
3: dun. <laughs> Well, I just think that they have to be careful. If they're going to fight one another all year long, then they inevitably they're going to tangle in with somebody else that has a much higher status than them. You know, they're they're going to run into the cow bushes of the world or they're going to run into somebody that, you know, is it, not, not going to put up with their nonsense and it's going to make it very well known that, you know, the two of them need to knock it off. And, uh, you know, when or how that happens, who knows. But, uh, you know, you just have to – once again, caution the two about just don't even make it about your two of you because you there there's there's 34 you know but anywhere from 34 to you know 36 to 38 other drivers that can be out there on a given weekend and you know you're inevitably if you just keep this up then you know not only you're risking about not getting into the playoffs, but you're also risking the fact that you're going to run into somebody that's going, to make, that's going to move you out of the way when you need to be somewhere or you need to get around somebody, and it's just going to make it harder on the two of you. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I think that those other players play a difference in some way, shape, or form, but they just have to, you know, also be mindful about these other drivers that are in the Cup Series and, you know, that are not just going to take their nonsense week in and week out.
1: We're talking with Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of SpeedwayDigest.com, and our official NASCAR contributor has been for several years now. love talking NASCAR with Steve. He, he is our go-to expert and, and, and is our main uh, point of contact when it comes to racing. So let's we'll talk a little bit about who might kick off the 2023 season with the, the Clash performance that really foreshadows a strong season. If we remember last year's Clash winner was Joey Logano, who went on to capture the Cup Series championship nine months later. Uh, Tyler Reddick led the Clash for 51 laps. Until you know had that mechanical failure that we talked about, uh, he had an impressive start. However, triggered a strong season, which he won three races and made the playoffs and, and led in more laps than he did in, in two previous years. And if you're a betting guy like I am, uh, not nothing major. You know, we, we do the five dollars, whatever the DraftKings. But if I look at what DraftKings says, uh, here is some of the the holds the shortest betting odds for Saturday's race to win the the clash and out of these drivers who do you think it's going to it's kind of a foreshadow if you will like we, we talked about with Joey Logano so Kyle Busch, Joey Logano again, Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, LA, Christopher Bell, Ryan Blaney, Tyler Reddick, Ross Chastain and Denny Hamlin those are all the the ones who have the shortest betting odds for Sunday's race and also have a great opportunity to go on and have a great season in 2023. If you was to extract one of those names who, who do you think that would be?
3: Wow, um, <laughs> making you think I, on a I mean, Saturday morning, artist,
0: dude.
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, uh, I, you know, I, you know, you look at how close Ross Chastain came last year to, to winning this thing. You know, uh, yeah, you talking about uh, Joe DiGiano kicked the season off, won this thing, won the championship. which like, said nine months later, uh, you know, there's just you know, Kyle Bush is Kyle Bush is a guy that's going over to Richard Childress Racing and this. You know, I know that they're trying to get back to the competition level they were at one point. So, you know, if if I'm going with somebody, you know, I I think right now, everybody wants to say the perennial favorite is just going to be Joey Logano. He's the defending champion. But, you know, it's really hard a lot of times for a defending champion to come back and win these races. Or, I mean, win win the cup and uh, back-to-back years. I I know Jimmy Johnson did it on multiple occasions, but, you know, it's just – it's just really tough these days to do that and after nineteen different winners last year I think it's just even more competitive. So um you know, I you know, I would like to say Joe Logano but I, I, I think somebody like uh I think somebody like Ross Chifne that came up so short last year and they seem to be really putting on a powerhouse team over there at track house racing seems to be maybe somebody I would think of. You know, early on. Now, these things could change very quickly. But you know, I think, uh, you know, I think, uh, I, I, I think Ross Chastain have a lot to prove after last year, and try and, uh, you know, not only, not only win races, but also win the championship too.
1: Well, we're really excited for tomorrow, the second year in a row. NASCAR Cup Series will open its uh, season in Los Angeles, Southern California, at the Coliseum Class of the Coliseum 2023. And i tell you what, if, it, if it's anything like last year, you will not be disappointed in, in watching it. So here's how it breaks down. There are four heats, uh, followed by two last-chance qualifiers before the feature and uh, NASCAR at the Coliseum 2023 with 27 drivers. While this is a non-points event, certainly it's, it's a good warmer up if you will. So uh, real quickly before we get into some other uh, NASCAR news uh, uh, to talk about here, what what are your thoughts? Who do you think we, we're looking at? Obviously uh, Kyle Busch and Kyle Larson, the two Kyles, Chase Elliott, those are all people that people are fans that have strong fan bases. Of course, Joey Logano, again, looking to, to repeat again that my like Ross Chastain. I have to admit, I, I became a fan of him I'm watching that uh that docu-series, so I I really like him and and what he does as well, So, and I like just him as a person. So Ross Chastain is just a a guy that that I'm going to keep my eyes on this year, so as a fan, go Ross Chastain, but what are your thoughts?
3: Uh, I mean, there's a lot of great short track drivers out there right now. I mean, Jenny Hamlin has been able to show that he's been able to do this at Martinsville, and, and you know, uh, same way with Chase Elliott. And you know, you saw what it, you know we, we we even go back and you talk about Ross Chastain, what he did at Martinsville and himself, to even get him into the Final Four in Phoenix last year. You know, while that's been that move has now, certain since been uh, outlawed and can no longer happen. Uh, you know, that doesn't mean that, he's, that he wasn't you know, already in position to begin with, you know, on a really, really tight short track like Bartonville, which is kind of, you know, what I compare, you know, the closest thing that we compare, um, you know, the LA to outside of Bowman Gray, but, you know, teams don't go to Bowman Gray, so, I, you know, it's closest yeah. we've got to kind of compare to. Um, you know, it's just, once again, this has become a really competitive sport where these drivers are coming up through late model racing, but you know on these short tracks but you know they've become kind of more well-rounded drivers now that we go to bigger tracks and we go to road courses and things like that so you know uh, you know Carl larson is another driver he, he he seems to he seems to do well on some of the bigger wide open tracks where he can run up by the wall but some of the smaller tracks even though that he wins in um you know he wins a lot of times in his sprint cars and things like that on these real short tracks he he hasn't been able to capitalize on some of those occasions. So, um, you know, it's it's once again, you know, you talk about each of these drivers, you find some reason why they're good, and why they're bad at these these events. And, uh, you know, I'm I, I, I'm 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 going to go, you know, I'm going to go with Danny Hamlin on this one. I I think you know he's uh yeah you know just going back to his driving abilities at. at at Martinsville, and I think you know, as he gets closer and closer to the end of his days, uh, as Kevin Harvick has already announced, this is going to be his last season. I think you know, Denny Hamlin, I believe, is the same age as as Kevin Harvick. So, how much longer does he go out there and, and do this week in and week out? So, um, you know, I just think uh, I'm I'm gonna go with him and try and win this thing uh, tomorrow afternoon let's
1: kind of walk through uh, the 2023 season, kind of give us a preview. Let's uh, walk through some of these uh, teams and drivers that, that, we're, that we're looking at. Uh, obviously, we look at Joey Logano, uh, certainly a, a great driver. We talked about him winning in the class. As we look ahead of, at Joey in uh, the 2023 season, what do you think about him and Penske? Obviously, Penske very, very strong in, in the racing circuit, and he can never count them out for any type of championship. But what are your thoughts?
3: No, Penske, uh, you know, continues to put together an organization over there, which you know saw that they won the championship last year, and I and I know that Centric is, kind of, is Centric is kind of uh, he kicked the season off last year as a rookie, winning the Daytona 500, and you know once again, you know we're we're seeing Penske doing what Penske does across all of their series out there, and just kind of bring the best over there that they have to bear, to make sure that they're winning races and winning championships uh, out of that out of that that um, you know shop over there, so. Um, yeah, I think I think you see a lot of them uh, you know, doing once again uh this year. Uh you know, I know that uh Harrison Burton kinda of struggles a little bit. And I know that they're technically under Wood Brothers banner, but you know, they everything that they get it comes from Penske from cars to technical to uh uh you know, a, a, any a, you know, a, a, any kind of uh aerodynamics and things like that. You know, all this stuff comes from them. So, you know, they seem to be the ones at the back of the pack when it comes to Penske and, you know, I think um you know, they, they've they got some things that they need to work on themselves. I don't I, – you know, I know Harrison Burton his first year – or last year was his first year as a cup driver. He won a bunch of races and they extended you. But I think, in, you know, he's got some time that he needs to develop, at least for Wood Brothers and, you know, with their affiliation with Penske as a whole. So, um you know, I, I, you know, will they be strong? Will they be dominant all year long? I think you can look at Penske and you can point to their drivers and say that they're going to be in position once again to, to run for this championship or run for these bigger races as, as a whole.
1: You know, again, going back to the series, the race for the championship, if you guys haven't watched it, go ahead and watch. I hope they have another season this year, uh, but I really got a chance to like trackhouse racing, I'm a fan of trackhouse racing. Uh, they are heavily impressed me. Uh Obviously, uh, Daniel Suarez uh, is is their their anchor guy there and from Mexico. What a great story he has as well. But just trackhouse overall, the whole story of it all. Now I know they're a spinoff of another company. We can get into all the particulars of that. But they're basically a scrappy startup company that really. Figured it out and ha- are doing great. Uh, and sponsorship sponsors are lined up to be a part of Trackhouse Racing. What do we see from them in 2023? Do we see another amazing season that we saw last year?
3: Everything that Justin Marks has continued to do over there with Trackhouse and Chevrolet as a whole—it's you know we we yeah you you talk about the CGR kind of deal, but they they came from that. But you know Torres was a part of that deal, and while uh, chestnut was very early on. They seem to just all. They've just seem to re- rework that whole entire shop over there. And you're right. They've got f- sponsors being lined up, left and right. And they're they're by no means you know uh, lacking for that or lacking for uh, um, you know people that want to partner up with them. Especially you, see, yeah, you see that. You see, Suarez. and when he, he won twice last year. Um, you know, uh, you you also had uh, Chastain kick off their first win at, as an organization or as Trackhouse as an organization at Coda last year, and you know they just continued to go throughout the year. I think between the two of uh, between, uh, between Suarez and between Suarez and Chastain, they won what like four or five races throughout the year, and. Uh, you know, that's, that's I mean, you, you don't see organizations do that anymore, especially in their first year or first, you know, two or three sometimes years that that they are. Uh, this just happened to be a situation in which they already had a lot of this stuff built in, in which they could just kind of take it over and then kind of uh, massage it a little bit and, and, and make it better. And, you know, over, overall, uh, yeah, I, I, I think they continue down that path. At least this year, they're going to see – uh Chase and Suarez both uh being in very uh, very high uh places of competition through through races and uh, with them getting it back into floor. <laughs> it's contagious yeah, isn't it? Yes. And and I'm sure that we will see them back in victory lane at some point this year.
1: Well, I'm very, very excited. Uh, we don't have a lot of time to go through all the teams. That We, we, we will certainly have some time to, to break all that down before the Daytona 500, which is just right around the corner. Uh, but in 2022, NASCAR introduced the next-gen car, a radically new uh, way uh, looking at cars and how the Cup Series uh, vehicles were, were manufactured. Safety's always been one of the biggest things. And one of the things that I've been hearing and seeing is that they've made some safety enhancements on these next-gen cars uh, on the brink of the 2023 season. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that and, and what kind of improvements and what have they learned uh, from the
6: next-gen car going into 2023?
3: Well, last year, they, the drivers just complained over and over that every time they hit the wall that these things were just like throwing a brick at the wall. And, you know, it's been, there's no movement. It, it, just, it, it was designed to take impacts. So it was designed to take that, it, that, that energy away from the driver and away from the car using – uh, multiple different crush sections inside of the car, and it just didn't seem to work out as well as they wanted to. hence we go back to kirk bush in um you know in in Pocono last year where he get you know, he got a concussion and ultimately in, it, it ended his career uh he was by far means not the only one that that had issues last year and getting hurt getting hit you know when these cars hit the wall especially backing into the wall. So this year NASCAR has gone through and they've rebuilt the rear clip into it with different crush panels and different crush sections into it that, that are designed, and from my understanding, they're designed to bend and or break to keep that energy from radiating through the entire car and especially into the driver's compartment and into the to the seat or to the driver themselves. So um, they they've learned last year from from those incidents and they've
4: learned from some
3: crash data that there there are some sections into it that they were able to rebuild for this year and we're going to see just exactly how that that all works out for them and hopefully it will disperse some of that energy away and we we see less of those issues this year with go with drivers backing into the wall well let's
1: talk real quickly about the uh, 2023 rookie class uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, we talked a little bit about Noah Gregson and Ty Gibbs, uh, but what certainly we're going to see some changes with uh, 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 Kyle Busch uh, moving over. to I always sometimes say Kurt when I should be saying Kyle, and Kyle when I should be saying Kurt. Uh, but nonetheless, moves over from uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, to Richard Children's Racing so we're going to see those kind of changes what are some of the things that you're looking at as far as the biggest impact that happened in 2022 off offseason that is going to impact the
3: 2023 season um you know going through Ty gives, has a lot to learn still I know that he ruffled soil, some feathers as he took over that car over at 23xi for for a short stint through the latter part of the season that uh, Kirk has not been cleared to be able to get into the car, and ultimately, like we said, has you know he's not going to be uh, you know racing anymore. But you know he kind of continues to ruffle foot feathers from the Xfinity, so he's going to have to find a way to kind of regain some of the the respect on the track without ruffling any further feathers. Um, no Gregson, again, he's he's a he's a guy that you know. <laughs> Every time he turned around, he was—he seemed to be winning. And I know that he's coming over to Legacy uh-huh. Motorsports, which is the rebranded GMS Petty deal from the last couple of years and uh the you know he, him and him and uh, Eric Jones I think that the Eric Jones was able to lead the organization last year and kind of turn that organization around winning for them and even winning at, at the Southern 500 for a second time last year so for him those two drivers going to kind of turn that turn, turn that around and for his uh going over to RCR, I think I kind of mentioned earlier this is this is a path that they felt like that they had to get somebody else in that car even though that they knew that technically Reddick was supposed to vacate that car after this season 2023 and they were going to add a third car for Kyle Busch in the meantime uh Reddick kind of moved over and they bought the contract out at 23XI allowing Kyle to go into that car and you know the premise behind this is make RCR a powerhouse once again and i think that uh Austin Dillon was really kind of the architect in that cuz it's mentioned several times that it was him That Mm -hmm. went to Richard and said, look, I think we need to get this guy before somebody else. Uh, So we will see him kind of make changes over there. And I hear there's already changes being made. So we will see how that impacts the rest of the year and RCR as an organization. We've been
1: talking with Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, or our, our SpeedwayDigest.com, our official NASCAR contributor. We're getting ready to jump on over and talk some more, a little bit more NASCAR here with Tony Donahue at the Tony T Podcast and BurnoutSports.com. Uh, Tony, uh, welcome to the balance, and, and how, how's things going with you, sir?
6: Hey, good morning, guys. How are you?
1: Fantastic. Always good. Well, I mean, Steve and I, and I don't know how much longer Steve can stay on, but we're we're wrapping up the NASCAR uh, conversation. We got the clash this weekend at the Coliseum, and uh, we were all in agreement that was a great move by NASCAR last year uh, for the fan base. Just really entertaining to kick the season off and very, very exciting. So uh, what are your thoughts on the clash, clash this year and, and uh, the, the drivers and the thoughts, Joey Lugano is going to repeat it. Is there going to be an on, on? Uh, we're going to, we should do a prop bet, Tony, if there's going to be a on-track fight between Ty Gibbs and Noah Grayson. What are your thoughts?
6: <laughs> uh, I don't think so. Probably not. But, yeah, it's exciting to see that uh, racing's back. Um, exciting, you know, small track. Uh, NASCAR kind of thought out of, out of the box with it last year to put this together, and, and it was pretty entertaining. Um, we'll see if now that there's a year of experience under these driver's belts of this track, they try things mm-hmm. think that are a little bit different. Um, obviously you kind of put it all on the line when it's just an all-star race you're not really raising for anything but a bunch of money so um yeah it's it's cool to be back and before you know it will be the daytona 500 so definitely going to be something entertaining to watch tomorrow way more entertaining than the uh nfl pro bowl flag football contest
1: <laughs> i can't tell you the last time i watched the pro bowl i mean it used to be so It used to be an event it used to be a thing not so much anymore so yeah i i totally agree with you on that i, I Clash or, or Pro is definitely going to be the clash all the time, every day. Um, so, Steve Wilson, Speedway Digest. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, any final words of wisdom, sir?
3: I think it'll be fun, and we will see tomorrow afternoon just how well uh, some of these drivers have acclimated after one year at, at the at the at the Coliseum.
1: Steve, where can people find your work and masterpieces?
3: You can follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, facebook.com slash Speedway Digest. dot SpeedwayDigest.com. Thanks, guys. All right. All
1: right, buddy. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Steve Wilson, 3 editor Editor-in-Chief. Our official NASCAR contributor have been for several, several years and always good to get started talking about the NASCAR season. Uh, Tony, we're going to have you put on a couple hats today. Let's keep the NASCAR conversation going for just a few minutes here. Um, and as, as we look into the 2023 uh, season, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, about this non-friendship, if you will, between Noah Gregson and, and Ty Gibbs. They're going to have to race together. At some point, they're either going to have to kiss and make up or we're going to see this blow up. And, and maybe, you know, I joked about a prop bet, but maybe on the side there, NASCAR is kind of hoping that they – because they, they feed off of the feuds, if you will, uh, that different drivers have. So this – we'll call it a competitive, friendly uh, whatever. It's not so much so much friendly. Um between Ty Gibbs and Doug Gregson, but what are your thoughts? When you look at those two drivers and you look at their styles, they don't even like each other, they're not even friends, and that's openly noted and documented. So what are you what are your thoughts on that feud?
6: Yeah, I don't know what Steve said, but look, it's gonna to be tough because Gregson's gonna to have to get up to where Ty Gibbs is going to be. Ty Gibbs is going to be competing for top tens, top five finishes and no is gonna be running twenty four. So um unless it's it it's that Daytona where I don't think you know, even if you don't like somebody, you gotta got to put that to the side because it's such a dangerous track. Um, I think what Ty Gibbs went through after winning the championship in Phoenix and his dad dying that night, I, I don't even think that that's probably on the radar for Ty Gibbs. He's kept quiet. Um, I'm sure he's taken a lot of lessons and, I'm, and he's learned a lot, especially from his, his grandfather, Joe Gibbs. So, um, you know, I think that, I, I don't think it's going to be as much as whatever, what maybe people are going to make it out to be. Um, I think Ty's got bigger fish to fry and things to <laughs> worry about and, it's going to be tough because Noah Gregson is really going to be inside of that top 10 and, and we expect Ty Gibbs to be in a pretty good ride, pretty competitive ride uh, challenging for, for top 10 finishes.
1: Who's the driver or team that you're looking at to make the big? you know, we were talking earlier about the clash and Joey, Joey Logano obviously won the clash and then went on to win that nine months later, went on to win the championship. Uh, and there's some, there's some small bets going for, for drivers who, who are in that mix of of drivers to look at that will have a good clash and then be foreshadowed to have a a very good season. Any particular driver stands out to Joey Gano, Kyle Larson, uh, Kyle Busch, any of those?
6: You know, I think obviously the interest is going to be where Kyle Busch is going to be in that new car, how long that's going to take for him to get adjusted to, you know, for the first time in 20 years in his career running a Chevy. um, You know, different team, new teammates, see how that works. Um, I'm interested to see what what a guy like Denny Hamlin can do. Denny Hamlin obviously competes really well on the short tracks. He's very good at Martinsville. He's always good at Daytona. He's won you know back to back Daytona 500s. But can he put that together for a full season championship, which he hasn't been able to do? So uh, Denny Hamlin is certainly somebody that that I'll have my eyes on in an 11 car, knowing that he's also a team owner uh, and how much has he helped his team uh, and also helping his teammates at Joe Gibbs Racing. And one of those teammates as I just mentioned was is, is Ty Gibbs, who's a rookie. So um, yeah, I think I'm interested in what Denny Hamlin can do throughout the season. Well,
1: we're certainly going to be having a lot more conversations as we get closer to the Daytona 500 about the teams and the drivers. Uh, but we're just about a month away from being on the track in, in St. Pete with the IndyCar. I know that's a very, very exciting uh, race to watch. and Just, again, kicking off one of the best race series in the world, uh, the Firestone Grand Prix. Pre uh, Saint Petersburg uh, kicks off uh, Green Flag uh, March fifth at twelve o'clock. I know that's something that you guys follow quite extensively. So, what are your thoughts on the twenty twenty three IndyCar season? We're past the the, uh, the the silly season, so we're ready to focus on the twenty twenty three season. What do you see? What are some of the things that you're looking at prior to March fifth?
6: Yeah, we kind of had a we had a test the last two days out of Thermal, and it was media day. I get to talk to a lot of these drivers. You know, it's, there's there's some major storylines that are going in. We know that Alex Polo is going to be in his last year, Chip Ganassi Racing, before he goes to McLaren next year. Rossi has already made the move. He's at McLaren. Um, McLaren now has three full-time teams. How, what will that do for them? Um, I think I like Scott McLaughlin, who won three races last year um, but failed to find some consistency throughout the season that probably cost him a, a, a chance at battling for the championship. Can he back that season up? Newgarden won five times last year and didn't win a championship. Mr. Consistent Will Power only won one time. So how do those three Penske drivers perform this year? Um, also something that, that has came out over the last couple of days is the fact that the Indy 500 is no longer double points. You know, Marcus Erickson was in championship battle this year, or last year, because he he received double points at the Indianapolis 500. So back to, back to just being normal points, you will get points for qualifying. But the double points going away, I think that allows drivers to – um, you know, y- y- you're, you're rarely thinking about points when it comes to the Indy 500. You're only thinking about that win. But 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 maybe instead of saying, hey, you know what, we're in a championship battle. We've got an eighth-place car at the Indianapolis 500. Let's not risk it. Let's just grab as many points as we can. Maybe you try some extra strategy or maybe you try some bold moves, you know, down the stretch to try to gain a few spots, knowing that it's not going to cost you um, like it would the year before when it was double points.
1: So let's talk. This move, hat, uh, take the racing hat off, put your NBA hat on. I know you helped us out a lot with the NBA, and we're getting to that time of conversation. And you know, certainly LeBron James was here in town uh, the other night. Uh, I, I'm not sure if he played or not. I had some other stuff going on, so didn't really get to follow the game very much. But certainly, uh, he's uh, closing in on that record of, of a uh, of the of a record of the scoring, if you will. Uh, one did he play the other night, and what were your thoughts against the Pacers and the Lakers on Friday night?
6: Yeah, so they played Thursday night. He did play. Um he, Thursday. He, he played well too. It was it was it was a competitive game. You know, the Pacers led throughout most of that game, and 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 probably should have won it. They blew it down the stretch. I don't think the Lakers got their first lead until like a minute ten to go in the game. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it was a good competitive game. The Pacers are still young. They're learning. They're learning a lot of you know a lot of areas of. Where they can get better at, you know, closing games down the stretch, um, you know, and, and Rick Carlisle really hasn't figured out exactly what his closing rotation is going to be. I mean, just feel who's hot, who's not. Um, but Benedict matherin has been playing really well off the bench. The rookie has is, is, is really given them a spark. He's averaging more points than any other rookie in the NBA right now. Um, they bounced back last night with a big win against, um, you know, DeMontis, a bonus, and the Kings. The Kings team, that's really good, third in the West, uh, however they were without De'er and Fox. Um, you know, the Pacers, it, it's crazy. They either get ahead by 10 to 12 points at some point in the game or they find themselves down 10 to 12 points. So a lot of swings, you know, I talked about at the beginning of the season. You know, we're going to see some really good basketball out of these guys. And You're going to think, oh, man, you know, Couple of years from now, they're going to be really good. They're gelling together. Maybe they're ahead of schedule, and then you're going to see some really bad basketball where you could tell that they don't have that experience. So they don't have that cohesiveness, and a lot of times um, you see that you know in the same night. So um, a lot still to learn, but have certainly been impressed by what they've done. They've they've already exceeded their Vegas win total of, of twenty two and a half. So um, we'll see if we'll see if they can continue on and maybe even make a run at the trade deadline at somebody and possibly end up um you know maybe in that play in tournament that we see for the NBA playoffs every year.
1: Well I tell you what, the Pacers are exciting to watch. They're a lot more exciting to watch than the Colts were. But that's either here or they we'll get into that here in just a second. And you know, we, we talked about that loss uh the 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 to the the, the Lakers, I'm sorry, I can't even speak on a Saturday. But the Pacers were called for 21 fouls. This is not something new, and the Lakers were only called for 10. Um, now, granted, you got to throw in the little bond factor and the fouls being called there. There's that variable of things with the Lakers. But that said, this is not a new story with the Pacers and foul trouble. How's Rick Carlisle get them on? It? In a lot of cases, it's good to go to the free throw line, but not as many times as we're going.
6: I mean, not yeah, going I mentioned
1: <laughs> not <eight>. going.
6: <laughs> I think the discretion was like 21 to six in the game and like 15 to zero in the fourth quarter. It's discipline. You know, it's, it's honestly, it's discipline. And I mean, got to think some of these core members of this basketball team have not, have not played in, in, in these clutch situations. They haven't played in clutch moments. You know, they're young. So it's just, team together experience and Rick Carlisle is the right coach to get these guys the experience that they need and get them in the position that they need to be in um late in these situations so it's just discipline not overreacting um you know you try to get a stop which, which pushes you up closer to a defender um but just things that they'll learn and and they'll move forward with and they'll get better at
1: so you you mentioned the trade deadline coming up not just for the pacers but just overall who's hot who's not and uh who stays, who goes? What are your thoughts when you give us an outlook and forecast of the uh, trade
6: deadline that's coming up? Yeah, I think with the Pacers, you've got, you know, possibly, you know, everybody thought maybe Miles Turner and Buddy Heald would be traded, but Buddy Heald's second in the NBA in three-point field goal shooting. He seems to be your veteran leader. And when you have a young team like this. You need a veteran leader. You need a guy that's going to go to war with you every night. That is Buddy Heald. So I think he's invaluable. You have to keep him on the roster. He's good enough. He's playing well enough. Um, you know, there was some rumors that maybe Miles Turner would be would be traded. Um, that is probably not going to happen now that he just re-signed his deal. Now it still could happen, but more than likely it's not going to. Um, you know, maybe maybe for the Pacers you see like a Goga Patate or a Chris Duarte traded away, some guys that really haven't been able to find the find the court and find minutes um, and, 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 and be productive. As far as the NBA goes the landscape, I mean, obviously the biggest the biggest name that they that keeps popping up is Kyrie Irving, and does he end up in Dallas? Does he end up back with LeBron James and the Lakers? Um, you know, they, they can kind of flip Russell Westbrook for that. Um, I, I could certainly see the Lakers doing it. I could see where they would, you know, the Mavericks would be a little bit hesitant on it. You know, they're kind of missing that that second guy, that second guard that can that can, that can bring the basketball up, so Luka doesn't have to. You know, they lost that when Jalen Brunson went to the Knicks. So I, I think if you if you're the Mavericks, it makes a lot of sense to bring in Kyrie Irving. Um, but as we know, the baggage that Kyrie brings and the distraction that he can be when he's on on the basketball court, as he has been lately, averaging over 30 points. Uh, per game he's on and he's a he's a great asset to your team but uh, when things go bad and, and, and other conversations start coming up you know, obviously remember the one where he was talking about he thinks the world's flat and all that kind of stuff. Um it becomes a major distraction. Just that it depends on which team wants to wants to take that on and, and is it worth it? You know, for a team like the Lakers that, you know, they're eighth right now in the in the West. It's not like they're you know and LeBron will tell you, uh, well we just want to get into the playoffs. We'll get into the playoffs and figure it out from there but um, is Kyrie really the guy that gets you over the top? And I'm not sure. The, depending on what you have to give up, I'm not sure the answer is yes.
1: So you mentioned Miles Turner staying with the Pacers. I think a lot of people are happy with that. A lot of people aren't. Where do you sit on that uh, with him uh, getting a contract
6: extension with the Pacers? Yeah, I mean, this doesn't mean that he, he still can't be um, traded, but, you know, he's kind of earned it. I think, I think he has earned it. He's played well. Um, and my time with Miles has never has never really been it, – it's been two things. Stop falling in love with a three-point shot, which is where the NBA is right now. And two, you know, get to the basket, block out somebody that's there, you know, an Andre Drummond or a Joel Embiid, take care of the rebounding, which sometimes he has failed to do. So um, just interesting to see what they do with him. But he does sit here. It seems like, he wants to be here. And we'll see in the future if, if that's the case, at least for the next three years. Talking
1: with Tony Donahue the Tony D Podcast. He's uh, also our official NBA contributor. Let's put another hat on. Let's put some college uh, basketball hat on. We're getting closer and closer to March Madness. Everybody loves them Some March Madness. The teams I'm looking at right now it's Houston, Alabama, Kansas, Purdue. Let's stop there, at Purdue. That's the top four that I'm looking at. Obviously, Indiana is still what we think is going to be in the mix. They're finally starting to turn things around. They had a disappointing loss to Maryland, uh, but Purdue is all over it. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not a Purdue fan. Everybody knows I'm an IU grad, and I'm an IU guy all the way. But Purdue is certainly in position to be uh, a top four pick in the NCAA. Of course, Houston, Alabama, and Kansas. What are your thoughts? Maybe Arizona, UCLA, Tennessee. I guess we can go on down the list. But if you're looking at early uh, top four favorites for March Madness, who who are you looking at?
6: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's crazy to think that it's already February 3rd and or Amen. fourth, whatever, and, we're, and, and,
2: you know, we're, we're almost
6: in March already because, you know, short February. I think that Purdue is a team that is built to win the tournament better than some of the other teams in the past. You know, the only thing that bothers me about Purdue right now is, you know, sometimes they rely too much on Zach Edy, the big guy down low, and that's, that's obviously something that they want to do when he's averaging 24 points and 12 rebounds per contest. He went for 38 and 22 the other night um, in a blowout one over Penn State. Uh, he's a double-double machine. That's pretty obvious. But it, sometimes their experience, you know, Fletcher Malloy is the guy that, um, you know, he doesn't have a lot of experience. They are playing a lot of freshmen. Brandon Newman's kind of bringing up the, the bench core of that team. Um, he's, he, he's a junior leader. I think Purdue is built to, to, to get deep into the tournament. But the thing with Purdue is, and, and, and I support Purdue, thing with Purdue is, is they have the teams to make it to the Final Four, and they usually fit down in the Sweet 16. Of the so can Matt Painter get over the hump, get to his first Final Four? We'll see. Kansas, really good team, led by Grady Dick, who's a freshman. Uh, that's a good basketball team. If they can rebound, they have problems sometimes going through scoring drops. Alabama, um, they're either blowing you out or they're getting blown out. Houston, um, Houston's been struggling lately. You know, they They, they had to come back from behind against Wichita State. They lost at home two Saturdays to go to Temple, um, a Temple team that was right around 500. So, um, you know, it's it, it's tough. It, it's kind of up for grabs, but we definitely got a good one today with Purdue and IU.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's always a good one with Purdue and IU. You know, it's just
6: that you throw everything out the window, and, and
1: so I'm so excited about that. Who are you put your money on in
6: that game? Yeah, I think Purdue wins today. It'll be a tough one. IU's is obviously a tough place to play, but if Zach Eadie can contain Trace Jackson-Davis, <laughs> kind of keep him away from his usual scoring barrage, Purdue will knock down the shots they need to. I think it'll be a really close game down the stretch, but um, I got Purdue by six in that one.
1: So uh, on a national media show uh, this week, I heard uh, this team say be said that Kentucky is going to be the biggest comeback team in March this year. What do you, do you buy into that theory or not? You can never outrule Kentucky. God knows I don't like Kentucky as as a fan, but will they be the biggest surprise comeback team in twenty twenty
6: three? You know the SEC is tough, and you know when you got one of the best coaches out there and a guy like Oscar Tashibwe who kind of controls everything. Um, if they can get better bench scoring and and get some of these guys to play team ball, um, I certainly think there's a chance they can make the Sweet Sixteen. You know, everybody looks at the SEC always as a football conference, but Tennessee, top 10 team. Alabama, top 10 team. Arkansas, top 25 team. Missouri, top 25 team. Georgia and Florida have some really good wins this year. So it's a really tough conference. And, you know, you you may look at some of these teams. Vanderbilt, you know, Vanderbilt's not the best team. Uh, They're right around 500, but but they've got some pretty big wins so far this year. Uh, I think everybody looks at the SEC and says, oh, well, these guys, you know, they're, they're right around 500, but that's because they just beat each other up, and it's a really good conference right now. So um, I think anybody from the FCC has a chance to make it far.
1: Absolutely. Real quickly on the football side, I saw that Alabama hired uh, Notre Dame's uh, uh, Tommy Reese. What are your thoughts on that?
6: Of yeah, their new surprise. offensive coordinator. A little surprised, you know, when, when Alabama comes calling on the football side, you usually take that phone call and even... Maybe even consider taking the job, but um, knowing that he's a, a Notre Dame grad and probably could have been there the rest of his life, um, and maybe even been in position later on down the road to become the head coach, maybe he feels um, a little a little sniped because he, he he wasn't the head coach when Brian Kelly left for LSU. I don't know, um, but I've heard Alabama's a lot better in the winter than, than South Bend is. So I think that always comes into consideration as well. I, definitely,
4: that it would be true for sure.
6: Let's uh,
1: put our home run hat on. We had it on the first part of the show. Uh, we talked to Matt Hicks uh, about all the, the the situations with the Indianapolis Colts. Um, Colts have uh, talked with Ryan Morris, obviously Jeff Saturday. I think we'll learn this weekend that Jeff Saturday is out of the, the contention. One of the things that I'm looking at reading into the TVs, but that the Colts said they will not be announcing a new head coach position until after the Super Bowl. We know that today that they're interviewing uh, Steichen, an offensive coordinator with the Eagles. We know the Eagles and the Colts have a good working relationship between players and coaches and so forth. Obviously, we get the recycled quarterbacks. Uh, and they get our, coach, uh, our coaches or coordinators as coaches now taking them to the Super Bowl. So there is that dynamic. But the fact that we know that they're having an interview today with Steichen, if I'm saying that right, and they announced that they're not going to announce the, the position as fields until after the Super Bowl. That tells me they're zoning in on on uh, the offensive uh, coordinator with the Eagles, or, or or are we looking at Callahan? You know, as we talked about earlier, nothing would su- surprise me. Not even Jeff Saturday. A lot of people, and, and I'll say what I said earlier. A lot of people say, well, why Jeff Saturday? He's never been a head coach. Let's let's put it in reality. Anybody that's a first-time head coach has never been a head coach. So let's, let's just take that off off the thing. Well, he was an ESPN commentator. Well, so what? Who wasn't? There's a lot of coaches that are – so I kind of think there might be a crazy like a fox Trojan horse sort of thing. We never like to say that the team mails things in or anything like that. But do you think that maybe if they do bring in Jeff Saturday, that that was kind of the plan all along, it's kind of like a Trojan horse, now we can show what we can really do? I don't know. But what are your thoughts as you, as you look at uh, the coaching – search for the Indianapolis uh, Colts. Uh, what, do, what are your thoughts? Who, who do you think
6: is going to be in and on the short list or, or what have you? Well, I think Jim Mercy is going to have to be talked out of Jeff Saturday by Chris Ballard, and, and, and Jeff Saturday is the guy that he wants. Jeff Saturday is the guy that he obviously brought in. Um, Jim wants it done his way. Jim Mersey wants things done his way. He still thinks that he has the best football mind in the room and, and, and can make the decision moving forward and want to want a champion. He's done it before, but you know, he had Bill Polian. He had one of the best quarterbacks of all time. And he had one of the best offensive lines of all time, one of the best wide receivers. And they still only managed to win one Super Bowl. So, um, yeah, that's great and that's exciting. But that was, you know, we're, we're almost 20 years removed from that, from that season. I believe it's 18 You're years right. ago. So, um, you know, I like You were that. just Maybe a young man. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I think his name's kind of been drugged through the mud a little bit too much and it's not his doing. Um, I do like Raheem Morris. Um, but Ballard said that this was going to be a long process. They wanted to talk to everybody that they wanted to talk to. Um, Ballard is kind of on the line here because he's kind of got a resurgence not being fired. So, um, you know, I think that he's going to do everything that he in his power to make sure that he's, he's dotted all of his I's and crossed his T's to make sure that moving forward that he has the right guy in place that can win football games. And really, I don't care who's the head coach of this football team. I just need to know who's going to be the quarterback because that's really what is the say-all, be-all.
1: Let's talk about the quarterback situation and the draft. I mean, a lot of people in mock drafts are showing that, they, that the Bears are trading back with the Colts. We need a quarterback. I mean, Ballard's never drafted a quarterback, but hopefully it'll all change. I think a lot of people would like to see Jay Stroud. I like the kid from Kentucky. Uh, Leavis, uh, Levites, or however you say his name, but he looks like a good solid pick. He looks like a good, good safe pick. We never know what's going to happen with a quarterback as we saw with Purdy last week in the NFC championship game going down in the first round. Now he's he's tore his uh, ACLU and he's out for the entire season. So you never really know what's going to happen, Uh, but you got to have somebody on the roster. And, and, you know, we passed on uh, a few quarterbacks that we maybe could have had and now wish that we could have had. So, you know, there's some, In in a new mock draft that I saw yesterday, the Bears are finding would be trading with the Colts uh, to move back possibly three spots. Um, You know, we'll see what that would do with the Colts, but the Colts need to draft the quarterback first round. This has got this is a very strong quarterback class, I think, at least for the Colts. What are your thoughts?
6: Yeah, sorry, I didn't really get everything that you said there, but. Oh, I'm sorry. Know. Go ahead. You, you, I, I get you, off in the wind sometimes. If C.J. Stroud is, is there, I mean, he's got to be the guy. Um, you know, everybody's in love with Will Levis from Kentucky, but I don't know if he's really the guy um, that will get you in the future. I mean, he's got some comparisons to Josh Allen, but you look at the, look at the quarterback play right now. I mean, Joe Burrow's great in the AFC. You know, if Lamar Jackson comes back or goes to another team inside of the AFC, like a, like a Tennessee um, you know the AFC just continues to get better from the quarterback position. And the Colts haven't done that. Um, they think that they've done that in August. You know when they bring in guys like Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan and Phillip Rivers and kind of these these veteran stopgap players. Um, but now it's time to you know develop develop a guy. You know get into where the NFL is today, and that's with the scrambling quarterback. That's with the running quarterback. That's with um, you know somebody that that, get, that that can extend the pocket, that can move, that can move around. Um, get get some extra yardage with his feet, um, you know, rush for more than, than seven yards downfield. I mean, we see how deadly Justin Fields was this year being able to run around. If he's on the table and there's a possible trade for him, I wouldn't be upset about that for the Colts. Uh, but I think C.J. Stroud is the guy that you need to go get.
0: Yeah, I, I'm
1: with you totally. I, I am not opposed to Will Levis either from Kentucky. What do you think about the kid from uh, uh, Florida, Anthony Richardson?
6: Yeah, that's somebody that they've liked. They've went and seen him a few times. Um he's more you don't take your you don't you don't waste your fourth overall pick on that guy. Um I think you make sure that if if that's the guy that you want, you can go get him in like the second round. So I would uh right. I would be uh I, w- I would be a little bit concerned about him. I don't know if he's he's the guy that'll get you where you need to get right away. Um, but I think the Colts would rather, you know, have a quarterback that they're developing. For the future and, and only win four games then bring in another veteran quarterback like a Derek Carr that could fail and they only win four games so the fans will be uh, a little bit more receptive to a rookie quarterback winning four games and learning and getting that experience than they would be bringing in another stopgap type of veteran quarterback that you know is a, is another risk like we've seen over like what the last five years since, since uh since Andrew Luck retired so
1: Exactly. And you know what? Luck's not coming back, okay? And we can't continue to blame all of our problems on Andrew Luck leaving. So I hope they, I'm praying they do the right thing, because as a Colts fan, it's been just totally miserable. One more rumor mill that I'm hearing, haven't heard it from Adam Schefter yet, so it's not official. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But uh, Jonathan Taylor is on the trading block, uh, possibly to move around. Maybe they'll use him in the mix and try to to, uh, get some draft picks, but Rumor is he's on the trading block. Obviously, that's a thirty-two million dollar player that we have. That you know, I, I, I'd love to have him stay. Don't get me wrong; I definitely would. But Jonathan Taylor on the trading block. What do you, do you buy into that rumor?
6: Um, yeah, because look, the the running back position in the NFL is still replaceable and Jonathan Taylor took a step back, and you look at the average running back in the league, and they're usually only in the league for two to three productive years. So, um, you know, if you can get a good piece for him, maybe you can get another wide receiver. Maybe you can get somebody to add to that offensive line that was so kind of bad this year and, and really 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 put guys like Sam Ellinger and Matt Ryan up against it. If you can move him and get a piece or two or another draft pick, we know Chris Ballard loves his draft picks, then I'm not opposed to it. Um, you know, the running back position in the NFL right now is so much plug-and-play that, um, you know, it's so much plug-and-play with anybody. You know, hell, we saw Naeem Hines go and do some things for Buffalo halfway through this season. So, we'll see how it happens. So, have a great rest of your weekend, Tom. Thanks for having me on, as always. Congratulations on your on your new gig at work, and uh, we'll talk sometime soon. Thank you. Hey, real, real quickly, who are you picking for the clash? Oh, man. Uh... Give me Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson. All right, we'll see what happens. Thank you, Tony.
1: Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. You can find him at Tony D and uh, BurnoutSports dot com. Thank you so much, Tony. You have yourself a great weekend. Always good to have Tony Tony on. I know he's he's very busy, and and always good to have him him on, if you will. I can't even talk today. So can somebody give me some pop juice? Some uh... <laughs> man. Oh man, man. Thank you, Steve Wilson. Editor-in-Chief of Speedway Digest and our official NASCAR contributor. Um, Also, Matt Hicks, longtime local radio guy here in Indianapolis, putting on the Homer card uh, for us as we brought down the Colts coaching search and uh, quarterback search and all the problems that go with – (laughs) <laughs> the Indianapolis Colts. Woe is me, right? My name is Tom Marquisele Presidente. Make sure that if you're listening to us on the podcast right now, you hit like, favorite, love, we, so we know how awesome you are. We know how awesome we are. Uh, follow us on the Twitter at T-Balance. Awesome on Facebook, just search The Balance. And also, make sure you check out our website, com. It's all there. My name's Tom Marquist, El Presidente. We'll see you next week. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here. Deuces. <laughs>